This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 291. This podcast is brought to you by the Drury Hotels. They have more than 150 hotels in 25 states across the U.S. One thing we love about the Drury Hotel is the uh, free food in the morning. They have continental breakfast, plus free food in the evening and drinks. Hard to find that anywhere else. You can use our link on our website, MarathonTrainingAcademy.com, and get 15% off of your stay. Plus, we'll send you our vintage podcast episodes, our first 50 episodes from way back in the day. Once again, that's the Drury Hotels, and find the link right there on our website for 15% off of your room. Welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast, where we empower you to run a marathon and change your life. I'm Trevor. And I'm Angie. In this episode, we bring you an interview with Susan Lakey, author of the new book, Running Outside the Comfort Zone. And in the quick tip segment, Angie answers a question about what to do if your training plan doesn't have the correct number of weeks until race day. And just a reminder, you can get more help taking your running to the next level with Academy membership. Find out how to join when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. Here we are in the camper for another episode, actually in Montana, heading back home. We've been to a lot of beautiful places and on our way back home, uh, coming through central Washington along I-90. We had a blowout on the camper. We were just driving along and someone flagged us down and said, hey, your tire is gone. (laughs) (laughs) Gone as in completely shredded gone. So sure enough, um, we had a massive blown out tire. We're just running on the rim. And the other one was ready to go as well. Yeah, there were like nails in the sidewall of the other one. What a mess. (laughs) Could have been a lot worse, that's for sure. So yeah, that's what's going on with us. What else is there to uh, tell folks about? Well, we're really excited that we'll be opening registration for the third annual MTA Virtual Half Marathon soon. We've had lots of people asking if we're going to do it again this year, so we'd like to report that yes, we are, and we're just waiting to get the medal back from the medal company, and then we'll be ready to open registration officially. And we're really excited about this year's medal. It's going to be spectacular. I'm not going to give you any spoilers yet. So stay tuned for information about that. Yeah, good stuff going on. All right, so before we get into our shout-outs, a little bit of news from the running world. Badwater just got over with recently, so... Yeah, the 42nd uh, annual running of the Badwater 135 Ultra Marathon recently took place. Ishikawa Yoshihiko from Japan and Patricia Berensnowska from Poland set new course records out there. Of course, this is the grueling course that goes through California's Death Valley. It goes from the lowest elevation in the continental United States, which is Badwater Basin, and it travels across three ranges up into Mount Whitney. So it's a grueling course run in July, very hot. So it's really exciting that new course records were set this year. Um, Ishikawa's time was 21 hours, 33 minutes, and one second. It was 23 minutes faster than the previous record mark, which was Pete Kostelnik. He had set that back in 2016, I believe. And after his win, he immediately dropped to his knee and asked his girlfriend, who crewed for him throughout the race, to marry him. And fortunately, she said yes, which I'm sure made his day doubly special. Maybe she was waiting to see if he finished. That's right. I doubt it. (laughs) Um, Patricia Baranowska was second overall. Um, So she was the second place finisher. And of course, the first place female. She finished in 24 hours, 13 minutes and 24 seconds. Her time was more than 90 minutes faster than the previous female record, which was also set back in 2016. 
And both winners this year are 24-hour world champions. So they are very, very accomplished runners overall. They've each won the historic Spartathlon race. And another interesting thing about their Badwater finish this year is they ran the entire race without pacers, which is pretty unusual. Of course, they did have their support vehicles, which are required to do Badwater, but no pacers out there. So congratulations to both of them. Yeah, and you mentioned Pete Kostelnik, the previous record holder. We had Pete on the podcast last year after he ran from Alaska to Florida, pushing a a jogging stroller, self-supported. It was quite an interesting story. But in other news, Angie, did you realize the self-transcendence 3,100-mile race in New York City is still going on? It's been going on since June 16th, and it ends August 6th. And uh, you guys might remember back on episode 285, we had Sanjay Ruwal, uh, on the show to talk about his movie Run and Become. So yeah, I just thought I would check in. The uh, guy that's in first place right now is Ashbury Hanel Alto, who is one of the main characters of the film. And since June 16th, and keep in mind the date today is Ju- uh, July 30th, since June 16th, he has run 2,826.8 miles. Wow. <laughs> that's mind-blowing. I've watched on Instagram, too. We've had a couple of our listeners go out uh, and cheer on the runners, so... Of course, that's the race where these runners, there's only about eight of them doing it this year, will run around basically a half-mile loop in Jamaica, Queens, until they rack up 3,100 miles. So anyway, pretty extreme stuff. Maybe in uh, less extreme uh, news here, we want to make some shout-outs. Still awesome, awesome accomplishments from folks in the community. Crossing that finish line of a half marathon or a full marathon, want to give some props. So Angie, what do you got for us? Yeah, we'd like to say congrats to Lisa. She says, I just listened to the last podcast about your ultras. Well done to you both. I did my first 50K with my friend last Saturday, and it was brutal. All right. That's what we love to hear. The brutal part? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it makes for good memories, right? I mean, it sounds like she survived it. So great job on that, Lisa. That's right. This next note comes from Luke in the Academy. He says, oh boy, what a day. I got a huge PR of one hour and 24 minutes at the Presque Isle Half Marathon. On top of that, I came in eighth place overall and second in my age group. The hard work this summer is absolutely starting to pay off. Six more weeks until I get to try for Boston again, and this is a huge step in the right direction. Huge shout out to everyone in the Academy for the posts and advice that is thrown out on this page every day. It definitely helps. All right. Uh, Congrats, Luke, on the huge PR, and good luck going into your Boston attempt. This next note comes from Lucy. She says, I thought of you today, Trevor, as I ran my first ever marathon in Bavaria. And Trevor, I'm going to let you pronounce this one since you're the (laughs) Germanophile. Yeah, it's called the Königschlusser Romantic Marathon in Bayern. Sounds like a great one. In Bavaria. I had never heard of this race. She goes on to say, it was a great experience with the beautiful castles in the background, and I was delighted to finish in four hours and 48 minutes. Not bad for a 50-year-old woman who started running less than two years ago. I binge listened to your podcast during my long runs, and like so many before me, ended up believing I did indeed have what it takes to run a marathon. Long live MTA. <laughs> wow, thank you, Lucy. Long live Lucy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> thank you for sharing that, especially because I've been looking for a marathon in Bavaria in the summer because we're thinking about spending next summer in uh, Germany, maybe for a month, and then traveling around Europe running races. And this looks like one that we could do. We don't quite know what our itinerary will be, but it's something we are working on. That's right. 
This note comes from Chris. He says, hi, a friend gave me a link to your 50K podcast, and I really enjoyed it. I ran the Black Hills 100 this year to earn my black buffalo skull for finishing all the races. It was so fun to hear you recap your race and travel experiences. Congrats on a great finish, and I hope you can come back to run another Black Hills event. Wow, that's awesome to know that he was there. And now he has the highly coveted cowhead having run all of their events. Yeah, congratulations on completing the 100-miler. That's... That's amazing. Every every hundred miler that I came across on the trail, it just really gave me new inspiration that I had what it takes to complete a 50K when they were out there doing 100 miles. And this note comes from Daisy. She says, Angie and Trevor, I've been listening to your podcast for only three months, but I've listened pretty much to all the available episodes and some episodes I listened to three times. I also recommended your podcast to my coworkers who are also signed up for the Chicago Marathon this fall. I just finished my second half marathon at the Chicago Rock and Roll Half Marathon in two hours and six minutes. While I was running the half marathon this time, I saw a guy's t-shirt that said, legally blind and hearing impaired, but none of these will stop me from running. I felt this was very inspiring. Hopefully we can all stay strong and fight against the challenges in our lives as well as in our running life. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you, Daisy, for that nice note and for being a new listener and for sharing our podcast with your coworkers. And you're right, you know, there's so many runners out there who've overcome, you know, much more than than we have, probably most of us. And it really does kind of take away our excuses. That's right. And I thought this note was especially good because of the guest on our podcast today, the amount of things that she's had to overcome and how she's pushed herself outside of her comfort zone is really inspiring. So just thought that was really neat. That's right. So we want to play the interview with Susan Lakey. First, we'd like to say a quick word of thanks to On Running for making this episode possible. You guys have heard us talk about On. They're a Swiss company that makes a zero-gravity running shoe, and really it's becoming the fastest-growing running brand in the world. I actually did my uh, 50K wearing a pair of Ons, and Angie, you did your race, well, all of your races, this summer in Ons. That's right. I started using Ons, I would say February of this year, so a few months ago. I wasn't really looking for a new shoe in my running shoe inventory, but I got the shoe, tried it, and absolutely fell in love with Ons. In fact, it was the brand that I wore for the London Marathon, for the Charlevoix Marathon, and for the Black Hills 50K. Um, I've been wearing the OnCloud Swift for roads and the OnCloud Venture for trails, and they're just amazing shoes, so comfortable for whatever your running needs are. And you can actually try a pair for yourself for 30 days. And if you don't like them, you can send them back. Just head over to on-running.com forward slash MTA. That's on-running.com forward slash MTA. And uh, see why we like them so much. All right. So we're going to play this interview with Susan Lakey. She's a college professor and writer for Women's Running, Competitor, and Triathlete and other magazines. Her new book is called Running Outside the Comfort Zone, an Explorer's Guide to the Edges of Running. And really, I was excited when uh, I heard about this book because if I was to write a book, it would be on this same premise. I've always thought to myself, you know, it would be fun to travel the world, run all kinds of unique and beautiful races, and then kind of do a travel log style book about the adventures and, you know, extrapolate tips and just interesting stories from all these amazing races around the planet. So that's an idea I've had. And then Susan kind of beat me to it. So she's a writer. I'm not. So that's (laughs) another problem. But yeah, some of the races that she talks about in her year of running outside her comfort zone um, is the Pony Express 50 miler in Utah. She did the Empire State Building run up, which you literally run up the stairs uh, of the Empire State Building. She did the Grand Canyon rim to rim, something I've always wanted to do. Um, Here's something I've never wanted to do. (laughs) 
a naked 5K. She did the Caliente Bear Dare 5K. <laughs> That's way outside of one's comfort zone, I would say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that could be uncomfortable in many different ways. <laughs> uh, she did the Cooper's Hill Cheese Roll in the UK. This is a wild, wacky race. You basically run down a hill chasing a roll of cheese and... The hill is so steep that people basically tumble down it, and there's all kinds of broken bones and stuff that have come from this race. It's wild. She and her husband also did the Midwest Wife Carrying Championship, <laughs> which is exactly how it sounds. You carry your wife, and the first one across, you know, through the water and across the finish line wins, like, as much beer as your wife weighs. So this is something you need to train for, Trevor, because... <laughs> you really want me to carry I'm you? not a lightweight, so you can win a lot of beer if you're strong enough. <laughs> Yeah, I'll need a lot of training to get ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> and then she also did the legendary Comrades Marathon in South Africa, which is actually not a marathon. It's like 56 miles, right? An ultra marathon for sure. Yeah, this one's on my bucket list. I would love to do this one one of these years. So it was really exciting to read about her experience there. This interview will be a little bit different because Susan is deaf. We actually wrote out the questions and then sent them to her. And her publisher there at uh, Velo Press actually asked the questions uh, in our absence, and then uh, Susan responded. So that's what you're going to hear, Kara asking our questions and then Susan responding. But it all turned out really nice, and they actually did this in a recording studio. So appreciate the effort they put into it. And, of course, it's just a great book, and Susan is a very smart and interesting lady to talk to. So I know you guys will enjoy it. Here is the interview with Susan Lakey. Hi, this is Kara Mannix from Velo Press. This is a podcast for Marathon Training Academy. I'm here with Susan Lakey, author of the new book, Running Outside the Comfort Zone. Thanks again for having us, and we hope you enjoy this podcast. Hi, Susan. Welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast. Hi, it's great to be on the Marathon Training Academy podcast. I'm a big fan. Great. What book are you here to promote? I'm here for my new book, Running Outside the Comfort Zone. It's a year-long adventure in running where we look at the weird, wild, wacky side of the sport. So Susan, you have an amazing and unique running story. Will you tell us a bit of your backstory, what it was like to go from being an overweight alcoholic chain smoker to a runner, triathlete, and journalist? I haven't always been a runner, or even an athletic person. Um, in fact, I was quite the opposite. Up until about 10 years ago, I was, as you said, an you know, overweight alcoholic teen smoker um, who really never did any sort of exercise. One day, I was uh, sitting outside of my office taking a smoke break when my boss sat down next to me. And it was in this conversation with my boss where I learned that he was an Ironman athlete and he was a runner and a swimmer and he was doing all of these amazing things. And he also, for some reason, thought that I could be that kind of person too. And that began a very long friendship that changed my life. But along the way, I learned that, yeah, I could transform from this overweight alcoholic teen smoker to an Ironman athlete and runner. 
Another challenge you face is the fact that you've been deaf from age two and mostly rely on reading lips. How does this make the running and race experience different for you? Yes, I am deaf. I, in fact, I am completely deaf in my right ear, and what doctors call severe to profoundly deaf in my left ear. So that means I wear a hearing aid in my left ear, and with that, I hear about fifty percent of what an average person can hear. But when it comes to being a runner, it doesn't really affect me too much.、Um, I'm able to do. Pretty much anything a runner can do. My my legs are the one doing the work. My brain is the one doing the work. My ears really have quite little to do with the running experience. However, I will say that when it comes to、uh, the the race experience, the um the community, sometimes I can feel like kind of an outsider. I do feel like sometimes I miss out on a lot of running experiences. Um, sometimes just because I don't hear what's going on. Fully. And sometimes that also can be because the running community may meet me, and they're not quite sure what to do with me.、Um, they're surprised to see a deaf person at a race, so that can alter the experience a little bit. Have you ever struggled with feeling like a real runner? Of course, of course, I've struggled with that. I feel like almost every runner struggles with that at some point, right? Where we may look at ourselves in comparison to other people, other runners, and say, "Well, I'm not as fast as that person. I'm not as skinny as that person. I'm not as accomplished." As that person,、um, or what I hear more often is when runners say, "I'm not a real runner. I only do 5Ks." And that really blows my mind every time I hear that because five kids are pretty badass, if you ask me. And in fact, I would rather do a marathon than a five k because five kids can hurt when you race them. So, so people who say I'm not a real runner, I only do five k, and、um, you know they're, they're trying to minimize their accomplishments. But I get where they're coming from. I get that they may be looking at other runners who are going further, going faster, doing more,、um, and they may say, "Well, in comparison, I'm not a real runner." What advice do you have for those who feel like they don't measure up? The longer you Let yourself believe that you're not a real runner. The more it limits you from really experiencing all of the fun and all of the adventure that running has to offer. Let me tell you about my story. When I was about two or three years into my new career as a running journalist, I was struggling with those feelings of not being a real runner. I'm the slowest person. On the staff of pretty much every running magazine I've ever written for, I have asthma. I'm not exactly a skinny person, so I was looking at all of my colleagues and thinking they're all real runners, and I'm not. So I decided I was going to set out to prove that I was a real runner. I was going to qualify for the Boston Marathon. I thought that's what real runners do, right? So I got a coach, I got a training plan, and I was working my ass off. I was trying to get faster, I was trying to get skinnier, and I was really trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon. But then I got injured. I was hungry all the damn time, and I started to hate running. Eventually, I realized that qualifying for the Boston Marathon may be a great goal for runners, but it wasn't my goal.
And because I wasn't going after what I wanted to do, because I wasn't chasing the dream that I had as a runner, I started to hate running. And that's my advice for people who feel like they don't measure up. Stop comparing yourself to others. Stop trying to chase the goals that you feel that other people want you to chase. And instead, go after what it is you want as a runner. What is it that you want to accomplish? In addition to being a college professor, you've written for competitor, triathlete, and women's running magazines. How do you come up with story ideas? I get that question a lot, and it always surprises me because that question seems to imply that it's hard to find good stories in the running and triathlon community. It's not. Every single runner, every single triathlete, every single endurance athlete that I've encountered has a story. We're all out there doing amazing things, right? We're all out there overcoming challenges. We're facing our fears. We're doing these great things that maybe a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, we would have thought impossible, right? And it doesn't matter if it's a pro triathlete who is winning the Ironman World Championships or if it's an amateur runner who just ran her first mile for the first time in her life. Both of those stories, to me, blow my mind. Both of those stories are amazing and inspiring, and they make us all better in this running community. So there's really no shortage of great stories in in this community. And I love that every day I get to meet these people. I get to talk to these people and learn from them and share with readers what we can all gain from being a little bit more like these wonderful people. In running outside the comfort zone, you take on some truly unique races. How did you come up with the idea for the book and these specific races? Well, as I mentioned, I was burned out as a runner. I had spent so much time and energy and effort trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon, and it wasn't fun, and I was nowhere closer to qualifying for Boston than I had been before, so I gave up. I gave up. I said, you know what? I'm not a real runner. And once I admitted defeat, it became almost kind of freeing in the sense that I could now give myself permission to do all of these races that real runners don't do. And when I say real runners, I'm using the air quotes, you know, because we all know that notion of real running. Um, we think of 5Ks and marathons. We think of being fast. We think of going hard. We don't necessarily think of, say, running up a ski jump or doing a naked 5K. Those aren't things that real, serious runners do. But I decided I'm going to do these races. For one year, I'm going to set aside 5Ks, I'm going to set aside marathons, I'm going to set aside all of this hardcore running stuff, and I'm going to do these races that are kind of on the fringe. Uh, Races that excite me, that scare me a little bit, that have always seemed crazy, but I never had the time to do because I was too busy being a real runner. So one night at about 2 o'clock in the morning, um, I was inspired, and I said, you know what? 
I said, I'm signing up for all of these races, so I just clicked register, one after the other after the other, a naked 5K in Tampa, running up the stairs of the Empire State Building, doing a 50-mile race on the Pony Express Trail. I just hit register, 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 one after the other. Could you give us a quick rundown of what events you settled on for this book and which ones uh, were the most challenging or outside your comfort zone? When it came to doing these events, I did everything from a mile race in Des Moines, Iowa, to running across the Grand Canyon, to even the Comrades Ultramarathon in South Africa. I also chased a wheel of cheese down a hill in England, and I smuggled running suits into Cuba. And throughout all of these different activities and experiences and events, um, every time I, I showed up, I was really facing a fear, right? I was really facing um, a challenge that I hadn't encountered before. Running across the Grand Canyon, I mean, who does that, right? That To the majority of people who go to the Grand Canyon, the experience is limited to standing on the rim of the Grand Canyon and looking down. Less than 1% of people every year actually go to the bottom, much less run it. And so I was facing this fear of, you know, the unknown. So few people do that, and so many people caution against doing it simply because it's so hard that I had no idea if I even could, right? And so I showed up, and my friend Heidi came with me, and we decided we're going to do this. We're going to run the Grand Canyon. And it was the most amazing experience. And yes, it was hard, and some might even say it was stupid. So... But at the end of that day, at the end of that run, Heidi and I sat on the rim of the Grand Canyon and we looked down and that canyon almost seemed smaller. And that was the coolest thing. That was the neatest experience to go in, to face that fear, to take on this insurmountable challenge. And that was true for every single one of these events, even, say, doing the Naked 5K. I mean, that took a lot of vulnerability, especially because the majority of people who do Naked 5K are men. And so here I am, a woman, traveling by myself, and now I have to take my clothes off and go run 5K. That was scary. It was also hilarious. I'm not going to lie. It was so much fun. But again, I had to show up. I had to face that fear in order to be able to discover that it is that fun. It seems like many of your adventures over the years have involved running with friends. Do you have any tips on finding and keeping running buddies? When I look back on 10 years of being a runner, I don't necessarily think about races. I don't think about the medals or the t-shirts or the things I've collected as a runner. I think about the people. I think about my boss, who I told you about before. He was the first person who was ever my training buddy, and he became my best friend. I met my husband at a triathlon. I've met so many of my friends through running, through triathlon, at races, even just talking about running on Twitter has given me so many new friends. And that's so special. The fact that we can bond over this unique sport. And so when it comes to finding running buddies, I always say, just be open to the possibilities. 
the fun that I ran the Grand Canyon with, Heidi, we have a joke that interactions are all basically boiled down to, that's a horrible idea. What time? And that's because whenever one of us gets this wild and crazy idea, the other person says yes every single time, even if it's a horrible idea. So we'll enter these hard races, we'll take on these insane challenges, we'll go travel all of these unique places that we probably never would have ever thought to travel. Um, And the reason we do it is because we have another person with us who wants to do it. And as a training buddy, it's our job to support them. It's our job to enable their crazy. And so always say yes. So if you meet somebody, they invite you to do something, show up. If you have somebody who challenges you to take on a race you've never done before, do the race. You not only will get that sense of accomplishment from doing the thing, but you also will forge a lifelong friendship with some of the most unique, fun, and yes, crazy people. One race on my bucket list is the Comrades Ultramarathon in South Africa. Talk about what it was like to run this historic race and if you had any fears about meeting the strict 12-hour timeline. I first heard about Comrades from other runners who came back from doing the race. And every single one of them came back and they had this glow about them. And it was almost as if they had had this life-changing experience. And so I wanted to know what that felt like. But there was a big problem for me and that you have only 12 hours to run 56 miles. I didn't think I could do it. It terrified me. But I wanted so badly to be a part of that race. I wanted to have that glow too. So when I took on this this whole year of challenging, I put comrades on the list. I said, you know what? This is the one thing that I've always been too scared to do. This is the one thing that I've always held myself back from even considering. And I just hit register. And something happens when you do that. It forces you to do the work. It forces you to turn for it. It's incredibly motivating, even if that motivation is fear. And I was so scared. So scared that every time I went for a run, I would look at my watch and I would beat myself up for not being fast enough. I I thought I would never be able to finish Comrades in 12 hours. And even when it came time to do the race, I almost chickened out. I showed up there in South Africa and it's the most incredible race experience I've ever been a part of. The whole country rallies around this race. If you think we're obsessed with the Boston Marathon in the United States, you need to go to South Africa and you need to go experience what they call the marathon. And that's what it is. It's the marathon. It's the world marathon. The whole country shows up. Um, They're incredibly supportive. And even once the race you just feel like you're part of something special, something magical, um, and, and you will never feel this way again. So even though I was scared, I did it, I showed up, I started running, and I looked at the clock at the first cutoff point, and I saw that I was only 45 minutes uh, away from the cutoff. And I got so scared because I knew, I knew that I was going to get slower as the miles went on. I couldn't afford to lose any time. 
And so again, deal with motivating me, but also the people were motivating me. The people carried me along those 56 miles. And I'll tell you what, I did it. I ran the Comrade Marathon in under 12 hours. And to this day, when I say that, I get goosebumps. It's so special, so amazing. I can't even describe in words, and my job is to describe in words how special and amazing it is. What would you say to the person who worries that pushing outside the comfort zone will lead to failure? What if it does? What then? Will your life end because you failed? Probably not. Will you lose your job because you failed? I doubt it. Will people think any less of you because you failed? No. If anything, they'll probably be inspired that you had the the ball to take on these challenges. But... What if you don't fail? What if that doesn't happen? What if you succeed? What if you go there, you show up, you do the thing, and you are very successful at it? How amazing is that going to feel? That you went and you took on that self-doubt. You took on the, the naysayers, the haters, and you did it. I think when you weigh the pros and cons of failure versus success, your failure is not going to be fatal. But your success could change your life forever. What are some ways that pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone changed the way you look at yourself and the world? You know, for so long, I really felt like I didn't belong in the running community because I was doing that real runner comparison, right? Where I looked at all of these people around me and I thought, I'm not like them. And therefore, I must not belong. But throughout this whole year of running experiences, I encountered hundreds and thousands of runners. And not one of them was a fake runner. And that was a revelation for me. What is a real runner, anyway? And why do we get so caught up in this idea um, of what this real runner is? Why do we want so badly to be that? Why can't we be so fully and authentically ourselves? Because each of us has something special to bring and something unique to offer to this running community. And so I suddenly had to transform my idea of who I was as a runner. And the simple fact of it is I run, therefore I'm a real runner. And it doesn't matter if I'm doing a mile race. It doesn't matter if I'm doing a marathon. It doesn't matter if I'm running across the Grand Canyon. All of these experiences, all of the, these aspects of living a runner lifestyle makes me a runner. And so I can have muddled to show for it or not. I can have the fanciest shoes out there or not. I can be big, I can be small, I can be fast, I can be slow, I can have asthma, I can have all of these things, and I'm still a runner. All of us are, just because we show up and we run. And so it's been kind of exciting to have that now, because I can walk into a race and not feel like an imposter. I can walk into uh, an interview with you and not feel like a fraud, because you know what? I'm here, I'm a runner, it's nice to meet you. What's the next race you are doing to run outside your comfort zone? I am really excited to have a group of 12 friends who is 
going to lock themselves in a van and we're going to run hook to coast in Oregon in August. I am so, 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 so excited. Again, this ties into the friendships we have, right? This is going to be a two-day-long celebration of runners and running, and I can't wait. Susan, where can we find your book? You can read all about these crazy adventures in running and my new book, Running Outside the Comfort Zone. It's available in bookstores, running shops, and online. And where can we see more of your work or hear more from you? Probably the best place to keep tabs on me is Twitter. That's Susan Lakey. Uh, My last name is spelled L-A-C-K-E. So feel free to tweet things at me. I'm always looking for a good time. All right. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Susan Lakey. I hope that inspires you guys to run outside your comfort zone in some way. Don't have to do the races that she does, but we've been of the opinion for a long time to keep it real and fresh and keep challenging yourself and your health and your running is to sign up for a race that scares you a little bit or maybe a lot. (laughs) And even just running in new places. I mean, it can take you outside your comfort zone. There's always that element of what am I going to see around the next corner um, I think that's an excellent way to shake up your running routine as well. So, you know, if you're traveling or even in your area, find a new place to run. There's many ways to run outside your comfort zone and kind of taking small steps like that can lead you to bigger steps and you really never know where running's going to take you. That's right. Well, now it's time for this episode's quick tip. We have a question here. Actually, this is a type of question that we get a lot. And it's about what if you have a training plan, but your race is coming up too soon? Where in the training plan do you jump in at? Do you start from the very beginning or do you jump in at like week four, week five, whatever week that you should be in? I'm surprised how often we get this question, but it's it's an important question. And Angie's going to talk about it in just one second. First, we'd like to thank this episode's sponsor, MetPro. You guys have probably heard us talk about MetPro on the show before. We've been working with one of their nutritionalists, Natalie, for a good while now and have seen great results. Angie has seen better results because she is a better client, follows Natalie's advice better. (laughs) The upholder in me likes rules and can follow them. (laughs) That's right. It's been amazing to have the support and the consistency of MetPro through our summer travels. And with MetPro, you get that one-on-one coaching. So whatever your fitness goals are, whether it's to change your body composition, whether it's to gain weight, whether it's to lose weight, whatever your goals, they just have great support. And I've been able to lose 30 pounds since I started several months ago. So it's, it's been amazing. And we're very thankful for them being a sponsor of the podcast. And of course, the loss in weight has also... Uh, helped you improve your speed in uh, your marathon finishes. That's right. And, you know, it's helped me kind of set bigger goals and think, wow, you know, now that I'm getting back to where I want to be and where I feel at my best, my healthiest, I've really set my sights on getting faster in the marathon and just excited to see what I can do in the next few months. So to learn more, go to metpro.co forward slash MTA. That's a .co, not a .com. Once again, metpro.co forward slash MTA to see how it works. And we'll also like to thank Tiger Balm Active for sponsoring this episode. An important part of optimizing your performance is your pre-workout routine. So check out their muscle rub. It's a good way to loosen up your muscles before you work out. And you can apply it to whatever area you're working out, whether it's legs, arms, back. 
That's right. If you're trying to target some hard to reach area, you can use Tiger Balm Active Muscle Spray. Of course, they have products as well for after your workout to prevent muscle soreness. I found it to be particularly effective when I'm doing lower body or leg day. Oh, leg day is the worst. Oh, I love leg day. I love to hit it hard. (laughs) But of course, then there's that potentially sore feeling where, you know, sitting down, going downstairs can be particularly challenging. So that's where Tiger Balm Active can really come in handy, where it can help prevent a lot of that soreness and help you be moving around more effectively, not limping through your runs the next day. So just go to your local CVS or Rite Aid store today and pick up Tiger Balm Active Muscle Rub. And while you're there, you can grab their muscle gel and muscle spray too. That's Tiger Balm Active, available at your local CVS or Rite Aid. All right, well, it's time for this episode's quick tip. Got a great question here from Terry about when to start a marathon or half marathon training plan. That's right. She says, I've always wondered if I start a training plan with less than the number of weeks of the whole plan, should I start it in the middle and count to the number of weeks left until my race? Or should I start at the beginning of the training plan and just take it as far as I can until my race? So yeah, thanks for the great question, Terry. This is something that comes up a lot because frequently the weeks until race day and the number of weeks in a training plan won't match up because life is often like that. (laughs) There are typically two common scenarios that we get questions about. The first one is not having enough weeks to do the whole training plan. And the second scenario is having more weeks than the training plan does and not knowing what to do with the extra time. Mm-hmm. So I think I'll, I'll, I'll jump into each of these issues separately. But first, a public service announcement to beginners or someone who's just coming back to long distance running after a hiatus of some kind. Before you're looking to jump into a training plan, if you don't have a solid running base, it's rarely a good idea to jump into the middle of a training plan. It's like heading to the beach and starting to build a home on the sand at low tide. The view is going to be beautiful, and you may enjoy being close to the water for a few hours, but it doesn't provide a solid foundation for anything long-lasting, and you won't be enjoying life at high tide. So in the same way, if you try to rush the process of training for a marathon, the result is often injury, frustration, and a less than stellar race experience. And of course, that's not what we want for anyone in the MTA community. That's right. If you hear this parable of Angie's, and obey it not. You were like a man who builds his house on the sand. <laughs> and the winds came and the floods ascended and the rains blew and the house fell and great was the fall of it. It's a good biblical quote for the for this metaphor. Therefore, thou shalt always listen to Angie. Right, Angie? Well, I wouldn't take it that far. <laughs> you never listened to me. So, <laughs> so yeah, I know p- many people at this point are wondering what exactly constitutes a solid running base. So this is going to vary depending on your level of fitness and your conditioning prior to starting to run regularly. So if you've already been, let's say you're an accomplished cyclist or swimmer, or you have a a very solid fitness base, you'll probably get in shape a bit faster than the person who is coming from pretty much zero activity. But for simplicity's sake, the minimum needed for a solid running base prior to training for a half marathon is running or run walking three to five miles, three times per week for three plus months, and I will add without injury. So if you're looking to do a half marathon and you're just starting out, you need to be able to do at least three to five miles three times per week for at least three plus months without injury. Now, if you're looking to run a marathon, you'll want to extend the running base I just talked about to six months for the best results. 
in answering these questions, I'm making the assumption that people have a solid running base and they aren't attempting the distance in question for the first time. If this is your first half marathon or your first marathon, it's best to allow the full number of weeks for your training and not try to short circuit the process. Like we say, don't cram for a marathon. So the first scenario, you don't have enough time to complete the whole training plan. For example, maybe you're 12 weeks out from your marathon and you're looking at the 16 week training plan so, and you're wondering what to do. For in this scenario, you can simply jump into the training plan 12 weeks out from race day. That way you'll still be able to build up your long run sufficiently and then have time for the tapering period before your marathon. Runners who do multiple half marathons and marathons per year will rarely have time to complete full training cycles for each of their races. Instead, the other races can often be integrated into your training plan. So for example, if you have a half marathon in seven weeks and a marathon in 14 weeks, you can focus your training toward the marathon and simply do the half marathon in place of one year long runs. So since I do multiple marathons a year, I don't remember the last time that I did like a full 16 week training cycle because... You know, I was coming off a race and I'll take time to recover after that race and then I'll start my build up again and then I'll taper down and then I'll go into my next race. And so that's kind of the pattern um, for people who are fairly experienced runners and do multiple races per year. The second scenario is you have more weeks than your training plan does and you don't know what to do with the extra time. So for example, you're training for your first marathon, it's in 24 weeks and your training plan only has 20 weeks. So people often ask, what should I do with the extra four weeks? So there are a couple of things that you can do. The first is to simply continue maintaining your running base and cross-training for four more weeks. So we're making the assumption that you have that solid running base, you're running at least three times a week, you're doing that three to five miles, you're doing your cross-training like we highly recommend all the time. Uh, so just continue doing that for four more weeks until it's time to jump into that 20-week training plan. The other thing that you could do is to do the first four weeks of your training plan if you like the extra structure that it provides, and then start the plan over again 20 weeks from out from your race. So you would do weeks one through four, and then you would start again at week one and go all the way through week 20. Having more time can work to your advantage um, in this instance because you're just simply going to have a better base and you're going to be probably stronger and fitter as you build up towards that marathon. So obviously there could be an infinite number of race and training plan scenarios, so there's really not a one-size-fits-all prescription. Some runners with multiple races on the calendar or even extra weeks up until race day will decide to purchase a custom training plan that's tailored exactly toward their fitness level, their schedule, and the races on the calendar, just because they really like to have it set in stone what they should be doing for that whole time. Other runners are more comfortable just kind of, you know, do-it-yourself basis. Uh, many runners also find that it's helpful to work with a running coach to get personalized training and support along the way. We currently have a team of 10 awesome coaches who are excited about helping their clients reach their running goals. So if you want to find out more about MTA coaching, you can just head over to the website and click on the coaching tab and get all the details about getting set up with a running coach to help you with your fall race goals or even beyond. All right. Well, I hope that answers your question, Terry. Thanks for the email and hope this helps a lot of you folks out there who are transitioning between races or signing up for a race, but not quite enough time to complete a full training cycle. It's okay if you have that strong running base built to just jump in at the appropriate week. Like Angie said, we've done it lots of times. And of course, we always love hearing about what races you guys are doing. And also, we like getting comments and questions. You can send us a message through our website, marathontrainingacademy.com. We have a contact form over there. 
You guys are awesome. Thank you for being a listener to the MTA podcast. So great to be on this running journey with you. Thanks again to MetPro.co for sponsoring this episode. They help clients dial in their metabolic proficiency so that you can burn fat or add muscle and meet your body composition goals. Check them out at MetPro.co forward slash MTA. We will catch you guys on the next episode. Until then, always remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right on my